0: jamie welcome to driver picks the podcast where i
1: pick the podcast and i shut my cake hole and today we are here to discuss the 17th episode of the fifth season of supernatural 99 problems jamie
0: what did you think i think that i was actually right with my prediction for this week's (laughs) episode because they do have 99 problems and a bitch is all of them (laughs) and i kind of love that i love that they were really like we're just going to make the main antagonist
1: a lying whore. Yeah, look, here's the thing. I can't decide if I hate the whore stuff or if I think it's really funny. (laughs) I think it's fucking hilarious. There is a line there somewhere and I just don't really know where I sit on it. I think it's funny. I think think that the context of it, like the fact that it is a biblical figure, makes it funny. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, normally, normally... If we had Dean say, on a good day, you get to kill a whore, I'd be like, wow, that's bad. The misogyny is real. That's terrible. But the context. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Like,
0: it's just, it is genuinely funny. And I, it, it's I know terrible. I pains
1: you to say that.
0: It's terrible. <laughs> but it, I just, it is a very funny episode. And I don't think it was meant to be funny. Like, I don't think at all this was meant to
1: be funny some of it was meant to be yeah. funny i think the cast like elements... drunk cast is meant to be funny but like i just think the entire concept of this episode is so funny okay hear me out on this this is another julie siege episode so this is what i was saying like she just has like good episode whack episode good episode whack so episode. Were you counting this as a good episode or a whack episode this one i hadn't re-watched in a while and i wasn't sure where i was gonna count it and honestly having watched it i still don't know where i count it i think closer to good than whack yeah so this is decidedly like less is, whack than swap meat. yeah if swap meat was mostly whack with a few good things
0: this is mostly good with a few whack, whack things.
1: things yes I, and it was also directed by charles beeson mm-hmm. who i just like to mention because he's one of the very few directors you've ever complimented in this show yeah so- <laughs> you're like gotta make sure that like, she knows i have to be certain jamie's aware when charles beeson directed an episode I think he's the director we've talked about the most purely because of that.
0: Purely because I don't necessarily hate every directorial choice he's He's ever made. made. Yes. Like, (laughs) they're few and far between those. I don't know if necessarily this episode was designed to be comedy, but, like, it's so fucking funny. Do (laughs) you have any way you'd like to start? Okay, I think I want to start with the thing that I dislike the most okay. about this episode let's
1: start from worst and we'll work, our, and way we'll up work best. our way best
0: while we've got the energy to cover the worst stuff with a bit of humor
1: yeah the
0: scene at the end of lisa okay yeah i fucking hate it
1: yeah look i i'd love to hear your opinion and then i will chime in with mine because i have further context of some stuff so i'm
0: sorry but when i picture myself happy it's with <laughs> you and the kid what the fuck is this bullshit look this is a woman you slept with once Like, I'm sorry, what do you mean when I picture myself happy it's with you and the kid? Fucking Cassie who? Cassie my first love who? What the fuck do you mean it's with this random yoga instructor that you slept with one time and then she had a kid and you're not even entirely sure
1: if it's your kid or not? Okay, here's the thing about this. Back in 310, dream a little dream of me. We went into Dean's head and we saw his dreams and there was that whole sequence with Lisa and the picnic and She's like, come on, we only have an hour before we have to pick Ben up from soccer or baseball, I think she said in this episode, whatever it was at the time. And Dean does that whole, like, I don't know what this says, I've never had this dream before, but it's very clear he is lying. Here's the thing. I don't think that Dean and Lisa are a very good match. However, I do think that she fits into the idyllic white picket fence lifestyle that Dean wants. I don't think he actually specifically wants Lisa I think he just wants what she represents. Do you know what I mean? And I think he's confusing those two things in his mind. And, like, whether or not that is the intent of the author, I don't really care. That's my interpretation because I agree with you. I don't think it makes any fucking sense.
0: I think this is the writers realising, shit, the only viable love interest we've put in this show for Dean is fucking Cass. Yeah. And we can't have that. We killed Anna. Yeah. (laughs) And now...
1: We only... can't allow
0: a black woman
1: to be a prominent character in this fucking show because of racism and sexism. So that gets rid of Cassie. Also, yeah. aside from that, we only ever had her for one episode in season one. Mm. So she, it's been to a be fucking bit. To be fair though, we
0: only had Lisa in one episode in season three or whatever and then a dream sequence.
1: Actually, you make a really good point because for some reason in my mind, I thought we got Lisa a lot later than Cassie, but it's Lisa is from the second episode of season three mm-hmm. and Cassie's from the 16th episode of season one. The fact that I know these numbers specifically is really highlighting to me that maybe I've put too much of my life into this show. You're (laughs) just realizing that now. No, actually, I realised it at dinner the other day when someone mentioned to me that they hadn't seen very much Supernatural, and I was like, oh, like, what have you seen? And they said, I saw the episode where they're in the TV sets, and I was like, oh, changing channels, like, that's a pretty iconic one. And then they said that they had seen one, which I I can't tell you. Describe to me because it's. But it was an episode from season six. And then they mentioned other. And I realized that I knew not only the title of the episode, the entire plot of the episodes, but also the exact episode numbers they were referencing. And I was like, wow, what a weird collection of episodes to have watched. And then based on what they said of those episodes, I was able to provide a list of recommendations. And I was like, I shouldn't be able to do this off the top of my head. There are so many more important things that I could know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway.
0: Dean and Lisa. I just, I don't love it. It annoys the show. I mean, like, I get that what he wants is a white picker fence Mm -hmm. lifestyle. But, like, you're really attached to Lisa there,
1: mate. I think it's because, like, here's the thing. This show wasn't designed to have love interests. Like, it wasn't the point. But there is some background stuff that insinuates, or actually, I don't know how confirmed it is. So I'm not going to say with 100% certainty. But I'm fairly certain there was a lot of pressure from the network to introduce female love interests for the boys because they were like there is no even back in season two with Hollywood Babylon like they were making the comments of there's no love interests there's no you know whatever this is something that we know the network was pushing for and so coming up to the what was supposed to be the final like you know the finale of the show I think that they were just trying to be like well the network have said they want this so I guess we'll just put it in and Lisa was the best candidate based on who has been around most recently who isn't dead you know, and like it does fit in with Dean's idyllic picket white fence and that whole lifestyle and it fits in with the dream from 310 and so I understand why they chose Lisa but I just don't think Dean wants Lisa, I think he just wants what she represents and that's where it feels really iffy for me because I'm like Lisa deserves better. Mm -hmm. Like I am on team Lisa here, I just don't like them together because I don't think that they actually work. No.
0: And I think it's weird that Lisa is the one that he's fixated on
1: that's what gets me like
0: yeah i just think it would make more sense if it was cassie you know what i mean like at the end of the day him and lisa
1: were never actually a romantic pairing they were a like a fling basically like a cup i think it was like over 72 hours or something but now
0: you're telling me that he only ever pictured himself happy with
1: lisa yeah and like also it makes me wonder if joe wasn't dead would he have called joe rather than do you know what i mean but joe doesn't make sense to me either because she's she's so much younger She's like sandage age. Yeah. Like,
0: she's not that much younger. But it's still, like, for me, the only candidate that makes sense is fucking Cassie. He was in love with Cassie. He told
1: her mm-hmm. the truth and she ran away, essentially.
0: But yeah. she knows the truth now.
1: And, like, that's why I say I think that he likes what she represents because that is the way it makes sense to me. Like, if I'm trying to make this choice make sense, that's the road that I have to go down.
0: But my issue is I feel like I just shouldn't have to make it make sense. Like, it should just make sense. Yeah. Like, they're making this a major character beat. The least they can do for me is make it make sense. it's, It's
1: like I assume it's because of the same, like, the reason that he went to see Lisa the first time was because he was doing his farewell tour, basically, right? When he knew that his deal was coming up and stuff. This is the same thing. And I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago, like, he's having similar thought processes. Like, he's thinking about... What am I going to miss out on because it's the end of the world and I'm going to die? So this makes sense. This is, he's going back on that same farewell tour. It's just this time there's a little bit more context because obviously Lisa knows more and they've seen each other more recently. But it's not something that I love. However, I want to say I do like Lisa.
0: Oh yeah, I like Lisa. Lisa's not the issue here. Mm.
1: The issue here is the writers don't seem to fucking know their own character. I think, like I said, I think this one is network pressure. Because it's been an ongoing thing where they've been like, why aren't there love interests? Or specifically female love interests, you know? Yeah. Because you can argue there have been love interests, just not the ones they wanted. So I think that's part of it. But I do want to make a point where, like, first of all, he makes a a point to tell her that he didn't have her number. And I'm like, okay, one weird. Why wouldn't you have her number? Because all of the phones got tossed out and swapped (laughs) me. Actually, yes, Okay. New headcanon, that's why he doesn't have her number. But, point number two, he also points out that she's moved house. How the fuck did he find her? So, he does not have her phone number. This is some stalker level shit. I'm like, hang on a minute. You don't have her phone number. She's moved house. We don't even know if she's in the same fucking state. Because they don't mention it. So, it's like, how the fuck did he find her? How the fuck? Like, I don't know. This was 2010, so Facebook did exist. But, like... Or did he He go to her old house, find new
0: people there, and ask them if they had a forwarding address for her? Like, maybe? But then who's giving a
1: random dude the... A single mother's fucking forwarding? Like, you shouldn't. (laughs) If anyone ever asks, hey, do you know where this person moved to? You should just say no. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sorry. Anyway, it's a bit whack. And then she makes a point where, like, she's like, at least, you know, say goodbye to Ben. And he's like... Nah, better if I don't. And I'm like, yes, obviously it's better if you don't. Obviously it would have been better if you just didn't show up at all. They weren't worried before. And you clearly just said that you are going to set up contingencies. Because, like, obviously the implication is he's going to go say yes to Michael. Like, that's what he's he's saying here. And if you are going to do that, there was no need to tell her any of this shit. Except for your own desire to say it. Like... You just put all this shit on her. And then we're like, anyway, bye. Here's the thing. I
0: (laughs) just had a thought. Okay. It's actually a thought that makes sense. So you will be able to follow it. Oh my god. You're welcome. That happens so rarely. I am so excited. So I've been pretty firmly in the Ben is Dean's son camp. Yeah, okay. I with that. Yeah. I've been pretty firmly in the... There makes no sense for her to be so sketchy about it if Dean is genuinely not Ben's father. Yeah. I think maybe... Dean's not Ben's father. And I have a reasoning for this. Mm -hmm. If Dean was Ben's father, then Ben would theoretically be a vessel for Michael. I think that if Ben was, in fact, Dean's child and a vessel for Michael, Mm -hmm.
1: the angels would have used that against Dean. Like, because there's no way they don't know. I mean, they've effectively already done that to Cass. Yeah. With Claire. So, like, that makes sense. Like, they've employed this tactic before. If this was a possibility, they would employ it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think that's actually, like, it is actually supporting evidence for the Ben is not actually Dean's son. But it did make me think about who else could potentially be a Michael Vessel. And I think it'd be really fucking funny if Dean, next episode, goes to say yes to Michael and they're like, actually, we've replaced you.
1: (laughs) What? They're like, "Mm, you were too too much of a little shit. We decided we don't want to work with you anymore. We actually made a deal with Adam. (laughs) You're a half-sibling you didn't even know existed and has been dead
0: for seasons. Oh, actually... In the past, Michael possessed John. They preferred that. Oh, my God.
1: You think they're going to resurrect JDM? (laughs) Or time travel young John forward? Time travel young John. So it's Matt Cohen. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. I love that. You
0: know what I mean? Like, they're like, "Mm, actually, you've got too many conditions on this. Like, John said yes before.
1: They're like, he's got a way easier track record. Yeah. All we have to do is tell him we'll bring his wife back and he'll do it. Obviously. (laughs) Did you have any other points surrounding that? or I do think you make a really good point about the fact that they yes. would have used Ben mm. if Ben was a, a, a leader. The angels would have
0: used Ben as a bargaining point if yes. Ben was genuinely Dean Sun.
1: It's actually really fascinating that you say that because it's actually something I've never considered. Mm. Like, it makes so much sense when you just say it. Like, it feels obvious. Yeah. But, like, it's one thing that I've just never put that much thought into. But, yeah, I think you're right. You know, and I don't mind telling you, like, we're never going to get angels threatening to yeah. use Ben. That's interesting to think of moving forward. Because, yeah, they would absolutely know. And they absolutely would have used it. Like, they're very tactical.
0: Yeah. Like, there's no way they don't use it. Maybe possible. Is, yeah. Anyway, so that was my least favourite thing of the episode. That's I it. think it's time to pendulum swing, like, like Supernatural does. Yes. To my favourite thing about the episode. Yes,
1: absolutely. I
0: can't wait. I'm assuming
1: you have a guess as to what it is. Oh! While we're speaking of guesses. Okay. I do have two... Three guesses for three your PSA. Three guesses! This was a PSA-filled episode. Spoiled for choice this week. Would you like me to guess those now? Go would for you, it. Let's, yes? let's do my PSA, and then we'll move on to my favourite thing about the episode. Okay. So, my number one guess. Mm-hmm. cults are bad. Mm-hmm. If you think that something is a cult, I've at all costs. See, I would, but that's very similar to a different yes. PSA I've already had. Yes, okay. See, and I knew that, which is why I was like, I need backup okay. guesses. yeah. Okay. So... My secondary guess was, when Dean is driving away from the motel, there is a sign, and the sign says, Jesus is Lord, stay two nights, get a free Bible, low rates, pets okay. And I don't know what about that sign was so funny to me, just the phrasing, like, (laughs) it goes from like, Jesus is the one true Lord and Saviour, also your pet can stay in our motel, that's totally fine. Also, we're cheap. I'm like, stay two nights, get a free Bible, I just think it's funny. So my PSA there is like, have strong marketing. Okay. Know what you're about. Know your brand. You know? Like, know your brand. Know your target audience. Mm-hmm. And then my third guess is just don't show up unannounced at your ex's house. Drop a bombshell on them and then be like, anyway, bye. Also, just, like, don't stalk your ex. You know? That's a, that's a secondary on that one. But last the thing one. is, he's
0: not even her ex. That's what I mean... That's what drives me insane about <laughs> this. Like, here's the thing. If, if it had been set up like Cassie and they'd spend like a week together or whatever and like yeah, he I, thought he was in love and then he had to go because of monster stuff. Fine. Whatever. He slept with her once. I think Showed up unannounced announced the second time. Saw that she had a kid. Yeah. And now she's the perfect lady for him.
1: Again, the idyllic picket fans, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure in The Kids Are All Right, which is the episode that Lisa and Ben are introduced, we get the context that it was like a, a wild weekend. Like, I want to say a max of like 72 hours kind of thing. I want to say they probably slept together more than once in that situation but yes it is certainly not an established long-term relationship kind of situation it is most definitely a casual fling so when dean a few episodes ago said to sam like oh do you think you could picture yourself you know and i mentioned that like sam is like no vehemently no but he doesn't actually ask dean back, and like really dean isn't asking but that
0: was in bloody swap mate mm-hmm. so this is the julie scene. long con
1: oh my god yes it is i didn't even think about it Yes, literally. Okay, so Julie Siege, like, is clearly setting this up, like, episodes ago, for this to be, like, in your brain. Like, this is what Dean is thinking about. This is where Dean's head is at. And so, like, the follow through is here. Next up, we'll find out she wrote fucking Dream a Little Dream of Me. (laughs) I actually don't remember who wrote Dream a Little Dream of Me. Maybe we should double check that. Story by Sarah Gamble and Catherine Humphreys. Okay. So, Sarah Gamble. Okay. No worries. (laughs) So it was so significant. Sarah
0: Gamble and Julie Siege are in, are in it together. So does that mean this ties into the Sarah, Sarah Gamble, Gamble Longcon?
1: Well, maybe, because part of your additional Sarah Gamble long Kong theory is, is that, that she doesn't like, like Cass. She, she got <laughs> angels, but she doesn't like that the angel she got was Cass. So she's trying to erase him by replacing, like, putting Dean as like, a heteronormative <laughs> fucking pipeline. Chuck Codid. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, anyway. Actually, do you know what? That kind of comes back to the whole network thing and them being like, you need love interests. Not like that, though. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. We were talking about your PSA. Mm-hmm. So, were any of my guesses anywhere near close? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> my PSA of this week is if your moral compass says it's okay to murder people but not have a drink of alcohol, maybe reevaluate <laughs> your moral compass. Yes. And you want to no, know it's really funny? I was like, I'm going to Google the kids who arrived right, to
1: see who wrote that episode. Do you want to know who wrote that episode? Sarah Gamble? Jesus fuck. It's Sarah Gamble. Sarah Gamble and Julie Siege are having brunch together and over mimosas they are deciding They're like, we're going to super make Lisa a thing. Because the three episodes that Lisa has appeared in have all been touched on by either Julie Siege or Sarah Gamble. Wow, the plot really thickens. I love that we're, like, talking about Supernatural, the show, and its plot, but we're also talking about the B-plot of Supernatural, which is the writer's room. And, like, obviously... So the the kids are all right is written by Sarah Gamble. We know we're pulling this out of our asses. Like, I want to make that very abundantly clear. Unfortunately, there is shit to be pulled out of our asses. Yeah. (laughs) What a wild way to say that. I thought it was a perfectly normal way to say that. What a fun analogy. No, so... The issue
0: is there's actually something there for us to, like...
1: To draw on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's silly. We fully recognise it is... We're being silly. We have no proof about any of this. And, and the other
0: thing is the kids are all right is, of course, 302. So this predates
1: Cass. But doesn't predate Faith, for example. Yeah. Which, oh my god, actually, speaking of Sarah Campbell, the Leah character in this episode... Is so reminiscent of the Layla character from Faith. Yeah. Like she looks very similar. She obviously she ends up being, you know, the villain and Layla doesn't, but she has this very similar cadence. She mm. has a very similar presentation. For me, I was like, oh, it's just it this is Layla 2.0. Mm-hmm. Julie sees
0: she's in on the Sarah Gamble She is. She's in on that. It's collusion.
1: <laughs> They're plotting to take <laughs> down <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, I don't know at what point in season five they found out they were getting a season six. Mm. Based on that, I don't know at what point they found out Sarah Gamble was going to be spearheading season six. Mm. So there is a chance that they're starting to think about where we want to push.
0: In this episode, they even called Cass a poor example of an angel. Oh my God, they do. It's in the text. This is stupid. <laughs> but like genuinely. Yeah. Like it's stupid as fucking
1: shit. Yeah. But they make him say it about himself, which is just rough. Like, but, like, my buddy Cass is going through it. But, like, genuinely. Yeah. Oh, this like, is so silly. I'm so glad that we've had this joke go for so long.
0: Julie Siege is in on the Sarah Gamble long con. Like, I don't think that's fabricated at all You point. heard
1: it here first, folks.
0: She's using characters that, you know, have been primarily written by Sarah Gamble. She's making points that are trying to directly contradict Cass's importance to the storyline. She's even writing about false angels. Like, this is House of the, of the Holy 2.0. It actually is. We have had,
1: okay, this is silly, but I have been recently editing some of our earlier episodes. Like, and you know, not not too far back. Like, I want to say five, six episodes back because they've just come out. So I think our most recent episode a time of recording is Swap me, mm-hmm. right? We make a joke in that episode about how, like, season two called and it wants its plot back. And I've just, finished editing the next episode, which is 5.13. And again, we make the same joke about season two called and it wants its plot back. And now, honestly, season two called and it wants its plot back. This is- hey, a this is <laughs> season three plot. Well, how's with the Holy season two? And Faith is season one. Mm-hmm. Damn, they're but really- But Lisa is all season three. They're really just looked at Supernatural mm-hmm. and they were like, let's just do everything again except season four, because we re- actually know Sam's blood addiction was in 5.14. They're really just going through and hitting all the highlights. They were like, what do yeah. we like from the first four seasons? Let's just do it again. And it fits into the Sarah Gamble long con
0: because she's decided she doesn't like how they did the Angel. And she's so just... she's mad, so they're ignoring season four. Yeah, they're just starting again. they were but... like, we're going to do Angels Right this time. We've
1: talked about this way too much. I'm sorry. I'll <laughs> stop talking about it when they stop making it fucking relevant. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We were supposed to be talking about Cass
0: drunk cast is the <laughs> highlight of the episode obviously
1: obviously the when highlight. you said your favorite part yeah. i was like oh i know exactly yeah. what that's why i was like I'm, I'm pretty sure you know yeah like you have a guess you have like i know you. suspicion mm. and i also watched this episode yeah. and i agree with you it's the best part of the episode. the
0: episode drunk cast is so fucking funny drunk cast showing up is like the tonal shift of the episode yes like it goes from a very serious like oh we've got a profit 2.0 which i didn't believe because like the way Chuck is a prophet is very different from how this lady was saying she was a prophet. If that makes sense.
1: Yes and no. Like, obviously, like, she gives a lot of, like, symptoms that are, like, similar to that, like, that Chuck has and stuff. But I think the number one reason where, it like, it seems like she might be sus from the get-go is that she is not freaking out. Like, Chuck freaks out. Yeah. Which is fair and valid.
0: Like, I don't like to say Chuck's too valid about too many things, but, like, <laughs> he is kind of
1: valid about that thing yeah exactly and like we have other prophets through the series and they absolutely go down the route of freaking the fuck out Mm. and i also think that is fair and valid leia in this episode she's like oh yeah the angels speak to me and it's totally chill and normal which is like even anna when we first had anna introduced she's like yeah the angels are talking to me and i checked myself into a psychiatric ward like (laughs) most people don't like talking to angels they aren't chill and normal about it you know so the fact that Leia is, is honestly the first red flag. Yeah, because
0: like every other person that we've ever seen talk to angels before is the biggest freak you've ever met.
1: Well, we have seen Cass and Dean try to have a conversation in yeah. 401 and it just results in a number of instances of property damage and Dean being traumatized mm-hmm. and Pamela losing her eyeballs. Yeah. So, you know, angels and communication, not a great track record. Mm. I think the plot twist is very fun. I like the fact that
0: it's like, no, she's actually just specifically here to damn as many souls now. She, it seems like a small though. Yeah,
1: I was like, thinking that. It's a very small town. It's
0: a very small town. Like, I get the premise, but also, like, I'm sorry, babes, why aren't you on the internet?
1: Like, in that episode of Buffy, where they, like, accidentally upload the demon into the computer? Exactly.
0: Like, you just got to, like, you've got to spread.
1: I feel like this is just a case of, Unprofitable since two thousand six. CW not being able to afford to pay more extras. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that what it actually comes down to is in this particular instance, like she's trying to basically create a cult and then turn them all against each other and have mm-hmm. them all like kill each other in bits and pieces. That's the point of of her purpose. But that is much easier to do with a smaller group of people than it is to do with you know yeah a, like trying to do that to five hundred people is going to be easier than doing it to a thousand or ten thousand people, yeah. and it'll be easier again to do it to fifty people. So I think that that's kind of Mm. how that goes. It is wild, though, that they're like, oh, yes, the entire town. And I'm like, the entire town fits in a single building? Like, your entire town fits in a church? Maybe it's a small rural town. Mm. But even
0: so. I do want to say, though, I was not surprised that Dean could kill her. Because they were like, oh, it needs to be a true servant of heaven. I'm like, babes, unfortunately, he is a servant of heaven.
1: By technicality. He is a servant of heaven. Technically. I think that it's actually very interesting that Dean is able to kill her. And my reasoning for this is, like, yes, obviously he is the vessel, right? But it's also an indicator of where he's at. Because this whole episode is very much about, like, Dean has just, he doesn't give a shit. And I think that kind of comes off of the back of, you know, recently we had Dark Side of the Moon and Pamela's whole, you know, speech about, like, is it that bad for people to die and come here? Like, it's not great, but it's also not hell. Yeah. And Dean in that episode is pretty, like, against it. But by the time he's gone through the whole thing, like, seeing all of Sam's memories and, you know, I think that he became very disheartened and, like, obviously they find out that God doesn't give a shit anymore. Cass, very interestingly in this episode, has gone right down the pipeline of the end. He has literally gone on a bender, which I think also may have pushed Dean in a certain direction because he has seen... This film before, and he didn't like the ending, you know? Like, he saw Cass in 504 and was like, don't ever change. And now he's literally seeing Cass rock up with his faith in God destroyed and literally pissed out of his mind. So I think that this episode is just a really interesting arc of showing him be like, do you know what? It's a lost cause. But also, like, it's not surprising, Dean's literally fucking pledged allegiance to the angels. Mm. I think that so much time has passed between then and now, though, that it's all... And, like, he said no to them so many times since that I think that that kind of becomes null and void. I think the fact that he can kill her at the end is because, in his mind, he's already given up and he's already kind of accepted that he's going to go and talk to the angels and he's going to offer himself up, basically. Which he then does at the end of this episode. As Sam says, are you, going, are you going to do something stupid? <laughs> and then he's, like, three Which is later, so yes. funny that the script's
0: finally fucking flipped. I know. Normally it's Dean being like, Sam, stop doing stupid things. And Sam's normally literally like, you can take my stupid decision making from my cold dead hands. Yeah.
1: (laughs) He's like, I have committed to this dumb decision and I am going to see it through.
0: (laughs) I respect that you think my decision's dumb. I know it's dumb, but I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I also was not shocked though. Like, I I totally get what you mean being like, yeah, it's not surprising that Dean can, can be classed as a servant of heaven. What I do think is hilarious though is when Cass tells them that she can only be killed by a true servant of heaven. Because at this point, he is still low-key drunk. And he says, she can only be killed by a true servant of heaven. Specifically looks at Dean and goes, so not you, not me. And then he says, instead of just like, and not Sam. And and Sam, of course,
0: is is an an abomination. Which is so funny coming off of the back of, ah yes, you're not gonna kill my friend Sam Winchester.
1: And, like, the thing is, Cassie's not saying this to be rude. No. He is just making... It's an objective fact. Yeah. It's literally like when he first met Sam, he's like, ah, yes, the boy with the demon blood. And now he's like, ah, yes, my good friend, the abomination. Like, he's not meaning anything by it. He's just saying objective truth. He's fond of the abomination. (laughs) Exactly. It's just such a funny way for him to phrase it. I just... I think it's so funny. It is wild. Also... Before we, like, we kind of mentioned that we love Cass and then didn't talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. But I have a couple of moments that I would really like to highlight because I love Cass. Obviously, we know this. It's well established. This episode, he is just so fun. And also, I want to do like a props to Misha because I think that he did a really great job in this episode as well. This is an entirely new side to Cass that we're getting to see. The
0: moment when he's explaining that the Enochian (laughs) is fake. Like, yeah and he's like it actually means goat fucker
1: yeah it's like it actually means you breed with the mouth of a goat and like just the dead silence in the room and he's like expecting a laugh it's it's very fun no i love okay first of all i love cass's voice message i love that he's like i don't understand why you want me to say my name and that's the end of the voice message and also sam's face kudos to jared there the facial journey was phenomenal But the thing is, you know that if Dean had been the one to call oh, would and leave like a message, the phone.
0: Cass would have been there
1: mm-hmm. way
0: earlier in the episode. It's because it got left to Sam to contact Cass that it took Cass so long to get there. Yes, this
1: is a plot point. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> they couldn't have Dean call him because he would have appeared right away, as we saw in My Bloody Valentine. Exactly. Like, Although, to be fair, he is on a bender currently mm-hmm. when Sam's calling him, so it's a bit different. Then we do have Cass arrive, and he says to Sam, "I got your message. It was a long message." I. Find the sound of your voice grating. Which is like, you didn't have to come for him so hard.
0: It was completely unnecessary, but it was very funny, so
1: I do appreciate that. And then Sam being like, are you drunk? And he's like, no. Yes. (laughs) I found a liquor store and I drank it. And then, of course, are you okay? Don't ask stupid questions. Like, that whole scene is just so fucking phenomenal. I love... That we get to see, you know, this new side of Cass. I love that we get to see him interacting with Sam. We really don't get that very much. But Sam, Cass, besties. That's just something that I personally very much enjoy. And it's just very entertaining for me. The other thing I really wanted to touch on is that when he describes himself as an angel of the Lord to the pastor, it sounds so sad and small compared to when he said it with his whole fucking chest in, like, Lazarus Rising. He's like... I'm an angel of the Lord. Like, he just sounds so put out. And it's like, oh, baby boy. He's just not coping with the fact that, as Dean says, his dad is a deadbeat. He's just not coping with it. And like, you know, you mentioned before, the pastor says, oh, you're an angel. And Cass says, I'm a poor example of one, which is just sad. It's such an interesting little insight into how Cass is emotionally coping because it's just sort of not good. As much as he's obviously, like, mad at God and stuff, it's also, like, he's clearly had a bit of a... taken a bit of a knock to his own sort of self-worth. Like, he's lost. He doesn't have a mission right now because his mission was to follow the orders of heaven and then when his mission was to find God. And then when he finds that God doesn't give a shit... Devastating. Absolutely devastating. Hence, Hence the bender. And then I desperately love, with my whole heart, Dean and Cass bonding over being big experts on deadbeat dads. Like, I just think that that is so interesting. And I think I mentioned relatively recently, like, Dean and Cass are having very similar experiences in this regard, coming to understand that actually maybe their dads aren't all they're cracked up to be. And I just think that this is a really good example of it.
0: They're just out here being, you know what I mean? Like, just trying their best. Yeah. And both failing miserably.
1: We love to see them try
0: it's yeah it's a wild episode this one it just
1: julie siege
0: i don't think it's doing what it thinks it's doing i but think it's making points and i think those points are interesting and i think some of them are even borderline good <laughs> <laughs> they're making points this episode about you know Cass is a bad angel and this that the other and like but it just choices were made and i don't know how to discuss them and i don't know how to elaborate so please don't ask me <laughs> but like I don't know what it is like I I think I actually like you know not to say I enjoyed an episode of Supernatural but I think some of the elements of this episode of Supernatural are really enjoyable. I genuinely think like some of the the execution is just so good some of the writing is really funny but it's just like I feel like I need to pull her aside and be like babe I don't think
1: you're doing what you think you're doing. You know it's so funny hearing you describe it like that it feels kind of like some Darb stuff we've had yeah, and like again like I think I made a caveat a few episodes ago like I know it's like low hanging fruit to like yeah. make fun of Darb it's mostly based in finale shit and like everything that's come out of that but it's also difficult because Darb co-writes with Laughlin. like it's impossible to really know from our perspective who was responsible for what and how but like a lot of it Except feel- for the finale we know Darb was responsible yes. for the finale. Yes which is why we don't mind taking the piss but again then in you know in that instance I mentioned before, like, there's a lot of network pressures here, which is why I think a lot of the Lisa stuff. And so I do also think that there were network Mm. pressures. I don't think that it is far-fetched to say that there were definitely network pressures, especially going into the last season of Supernatural. Mm. It was a juggernaut for the CW. They wanted it to end how they wanted it to end. Anyway, that's a discussion for years from now. With this particular episode, I think it is interesting because, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know at what point they realised they were getting a season six. Mm. So I feel like there probably is some confusion about where they're all supposed to be heading. Like, maybe we're actually going to get renewed? And this is why, like, obviously, we're coming up to season six, you know, relatively soon now. And I have said before, and I will reinstate, I think that season six and seven, like the Gamble era, I think they get a bad rap. Mm. And the reason I say that is because they were in a shitty position where they were supposed to be wrapping up this entire show. And they ended up having to open it up again instead. And so it becomes this mess, basically. And I think that it's very obvious. Particularly, and I don't mind telling you this, but particularly the first half of season six is not great. (laughs) And I I think it shows that the writers room just didn't really know where they were going, what they were supposed to be doing. And I think you can kind of see that here as well. Because the idea is to be wrapping it up. But also maybe opening up possibilities for it to continue and so it's like this disconnect of like well what are we supposed to be doing because those are two literally opposite things and so yeah like as some of the character decisions don't really make a lot of sense but also they had to do something so yeah it's, it's basically the writers are stuck in a rock and hard place like what do you do because you're being given two completely different sets of instructions i think it does lend credence
0: to my like maybe dean gets everything he ever wanted but not in the way that will actually make him happy sort of theory. Because like I floated this previously but ages like, ago. Yeah. You know, the whole thing of like I pictured when I pictured myself happy, I picture myself with you. It feels like they're trying to set it up. It feels like they're trying to set it up so that when the finale comes in not like what the fuck is happening
1: here? It's like they're reminding you Lisa resists, yeah. basically. That's how it feels. Because again, we have not heard from her or no. about her in so long. Yeah. It's an
0: interesting choice to make the end game ship if you will, to make it be like, oh yeah, no, this one character that we've met twice. And one of those times, she wasn't actually a character, she just was a figure in his dream.
1: Yeah, which honestly says so much about, like, again, like I was saying, like, she's just this idyllic figure. she's yeah. It's very much like Mary, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's not so much a character, she's just kind of like what one of the main men She's is. blurry wife. Not quite. We know more about Lisa <laughs> than we do about blurry wife. I'll give her that much. But, you know, it's Very much like, oh, she is a fantasy devised by one of our main male cast members. Like, we don't actually
0: know Lisa very well. A season five finale where they set
1: it up like this
0: and they do like the whole thing and you're thinking like, you know, they have the whole reveal of like the dream scenario where Dean's been given everything that he's ever wanted. He's got the white picket fence and you're fully expecting it to be Lisa there. But it's not Lisa. It's the lady from fucking, oh, the one with the gin. Oh my god, Carmen? Yeah. The fictional <laughs> the fictional beer model lady who's a nurse. Oh, <laughs> you're that's fully funny. you're fully
1: expecting Lisa and then it just pans across in as fucking carmen. I love that. That's so funny. Oh, I do want to mention this is one thing I did not like in this episode, and this is like not necessarily like this is a poor characterization. Like it fits a pattern, but I also think it's like very much season one characterization for Dean, where they meet. Leia and he says you're not the first prophet we've met but you are the cutest and i was like okay number one i hate that and number two stop like it's just unnecessary and also like her dad is right there i just it felt very season one
0: i think to me. what they did was they realized that dina's only ever given the last night on earth speech like three times mm-hmm. and one of those was to Cass. Mm-hmm. so they're like no we have to like balance the
1: percentages out they're like, like "Cass is going to be in this episode we're going to make Sam call him, and then we're going to make Dean have two separate female love interests. We've got to, like, We've got to really We've got really to
0: push those percentages out <laughs> so that Cass is no longer a third of his last night at Earth speech. Yeah, literally. But also, I'm pretty sure Cass is the only one where the last night on Earth speech actually even kind of works. Well, I mean, he does sleep with Anna. Oh, yeah, he does sleep with Anna. Yeah. So, like, his percentage win rate at the moment. <laughs>
1: angels <laughs> two humans nil yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's quite funny I did want to touch on Dean saying a town full of hunters I don't know whether to run screaming or buy a condo and I do think that that is quite a funny line he's like looking at this like world of hunting and he's like I don't know if this is the worst thing ever or if maybe I should permanently live here like it's a throwaway line and it's kind of funny but I also think it's an interesting comment on human hunting just generally like, do I set myself up here forever or should I run as far away as I fucking can?
0: The inherent desire to settle down. Oh, it's almost as if, you know, someone's dead big dad did them a disservice by cutting them off from any potential community he could have. Can't imagine that. Because, like, I think as a character, Dean would want the white picket fence life a lot less if he had actually seen that he could have had a community when it comes to hunting. Like, if he didn't see hunting as this, like, macho man, like, solo thing. If he'd instead seen it as, like,
1: this thing where he could connect to his community. Do you know what's really interesting about that? Is, like, yes it's about John, right? Yeah. But it's also about Kripke. Because yeah. Kripke did not want them to have those things. It's very well Kripke, documented. is their deadbeat dad! <laughs> Kripke is John-coded! <laughs> but also God-coded? Well, I mean, Chuck and John are coded, so. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? The reason that the roadhouse burned down is because Kripke didn't like it. The reason that Joe and Ellen were, like, not around was because Kripke didn't want them. And Ash died because Kripke didn't... Like, all of these, like, connections that they had, Kripke didn't like them. He was like, no, that's not what this show is about. I'm he surprised did not they haven't killed have Bobby yet. He didn't want them to have a home base. yet. Yeah, like, the fact that Bobby survived is maybe only because he was named after Robert Singer. Like yeah. <laughs> They didn't want these connections I would argue that's probably why we never really hear from Missouri again, Mm -hmm. which is such a fucking shame. We haven't mentioned it in a hot minute, but God, Missouri would have been a phenomenal recurring character. Mm -hmm. They just don't have these things. And we've talked about a lot, like, Dean would absolutely thrive if given the opportunity to be part of a community, but Kripke wouldn't let him, (laughs) which is such a whack thing to say. And it's like,
0: I don't think Dean would be trying to run away from hunting anywhere near as much as he is, If he saw it as something where he was part of a community and like he had other people relying on him, but like, he's got Sam and Bobby Mm -hmm. and that's it. He doesn't see any way for him to continue helping people as he is while also being connected to a community.
1: Yeah. Which is actually really interesting. This conversation actually leads into like another point of this episode where Sam says, oh, I guess that's what it's like. And he's like, what? He's like having backup. Mm. and i'm gonna very quickly as a blanket statement that whole fucking fight sequence montage i thought was just like eh. also that kid is low-key sand coded the one that dies yeah gets grabbed by
0: the ankles and drag oh my god, god drag the car. Car.
1: <laughs> it's so true oh my god okay but yeah like it's just that whole sequence is just like ugh, wait, sure okay whatever i didn't think it was very particularly impressive and it was kind of boring to watch mm. if i'm being totally honest like, it's fine. Like, okay, I get the point. You, you're you a good it team. It's fine. Yeah. So Sam makes this point of like, oh, like, this must be what it's like to, like, have a team. And has checked out already. Dina's yeah. like, yeah, I don't really care. We're all going to die in a month, Sam. Like, nothing matters. has mm-hmm. really slipped into, you know, In the Good Place, when Cheezy finds out about the afterlife and he slips into that, like, depressed state where he makes the insane chili. Yeah. And he's like, nothing matters. Like, you all get Fs and you all pass. And like, you know, it is on the test and there is no test. And the test doesn't exist kind of thing. That's kind of where Dean is right now. He's just presenting it in a very different way. And Sam is like, you can't do this. Like, you can't do this to me. I've got one thing keeping me going. You think you're the only one white knuckling it here, Dean. Like, I can't do this alone. And like, okay, Sam. But also...
0: The codependency really
1: jumped out on that one. I just think that it's interesting that Sam's take is you're not allowed to have this opinion because of how it affects me. Do you know what I mean? The codependency is real. And it kind of feels like, like, I get it. I do get it. And he makes a valid point. Dean is not the only person struggling here. Mm. Dean is not the only person in an impossible situation. Dean is not the only person grappling with the reality of the imminent apocalypse. I would almost argue that Sam's in a worse position than Dean. Oh, yeah. Arguably. Like,
0: like here's the thing, because, like, Dean is obviously trying to say no to Michael. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the major thing for Dean. Yeah. He started the apocalypse and he's trying to say no to Michael. Here's the thing, though. Not only did Sam start the apocalypse, he's trying to say no to Lucifer, mm-hmm. who, what I would argue, has less, even less scruples than Michael does about what he's gonna do to get Dean and Sam to say yes. Yeah. And also,
1: he's fucking addicted to demon blood. Uh-huh. And also, if they like both say yes and they're both you know possessed whatever and dean as the vessel dies where do you think he goes whereas if sam as the vessel dies where do we think he goes like arguably yeah you're right sam has the worst end of this stick i think it'd be really funny if
0: so sam says yes right Mm. is lucy's vessel perfect i love that for him (laughs) and then he dies as lucy's vessel does he like automatically become like king of hell or like a leader of hell Can we tie this back into the Boy King thing? Oh, okay. That's fun. Mm. I love that. Because, like, you can't tell me that he wouldn't be, like, a micro-celebrity if he said yes to
1: Lucifer. (laughs) To be fair, I think he already is a micro-celebrity at least. Like, at minimum. I feel like if he became the actual Lucifer vessel in, like, that he said yes to Lucifer, he'd be a bit more than a micro-celebrity. Okay. Like, a little bit more, you know? Mm. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? And I know that we've talked about how, like, the end is probably a fabrication by Zachariah. But, like, mm. if we look at that as an example, and, like, Zachariah is creating an interpretation of his brother, mm. right? Like, he knows at least yeah. a bit. It maybe is fair to assume that if Lucifer won, he would just keep on keeping on in Sam. Theoretically, if Sam's body isn't destroyed, then Sam continues to live. Mm. So, like, maybe Sam doesn't go to hell. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe he just keeps on I mean, to you fair, last time he died, he went to heaven so that's true so maybe if he dies even if it is well possessed by lucifer but would saying yes to lucifer be enough to send him to hell mm, well i mean god is making the decision to get him into heaven so i guess it comes up to god's preferences there mm. and god wants him to say yes so maybe actually it would be in his favor to say mm. yes but then if he said yes to lucifer and then got
0: sent to heaven after he died would the angels fucking hate him because he said yes to lucifer well the angels want him to true and if he gets sent to heaven that implies that the
1: angels won mm. so they'd be like thank you for your service you are now dead You enjoy lost. it enjoy Good eternity job. yeah i don't know it's it's complicated i mean by the end of this season we'll be able to have a more open discussion about everything but yeah it's um it's certainly an interesting thought experiment of like yeah what would happen to sam because yeah i think Sam is in a really shitty position, and it's interesting to me that Sam is, like, coming back to the Gable long con, Sam has always been presented as having faith. Mm-hmm. And even in this episode, like, he gets asked, do you have faith? And he says, I believe, I do, but I just don't think God has cared for a really long time. Like, he's like, I believe in this stuff, I just don't think he cares. And mm-hmm. we know as the audience that he's just telling the guy the straight facts. Yeah. Like, it's not actually about belief at all. It's just... They know God exists. And they know he doesn't care. Yeah. Like, you know, this is the objective <laughs> truth at this point. And so... I think that it's interesting for Sam, who has always had this strong faith, who has been confronted by God's ambivalence, the same way that Cass has, really. I mean, it's a little less for Sam because that's not his dad. But he's been confronted with this knowledge. And yet he is the one who has kept faith more so than either Cass or Dean. I do think that is really fascinating, especially because arguably, like, Sam has been through the biggest deviation from his faith in terms of, like, all of season four and, like, the way that he and Ruby worked together and that whole sort of corruption arc for Sam. I think it's fascinating that he's come out of that and he has really not lost his faith. I think that's... I think that's interesting. Especially, like, you know, when we're talking about the whole relevance Mm. of the Sarah Gamble long-kong.
0: I think, yeah, the key thing, though, is it's... When you know something exists, it's not really faith. No. I think there's a
1: different different term that's probably more accurate what's interesting is that sam is holding faith in himself and dean mm. and dean isn't and i think that comes off of the back of dark side of the moon mm. because dean is hurting right now mm-hmm. because yeah he did believe in him and sam and Cast like team free will he only coined that very recently and it's like well what's happened between then and now well cas drank a liquor store Cast drank a liquor store went on a bender mm-hmm. not in that order and dean saw all of sam's quote-unquote greatest hits and it broke his little heart you know and so Cass is off doing god knows what sam dean feels like doesn't have the same affection or care for him as dean does and like that's not necessarily true but that's you know we're talking about emotions not objective fact here
0: yeah and And it's i think it's just a case of like sam and dean both care about each other equally mm. but in significantly different ways oh yeah thing: It's like Dean shaped his entire life around Sam. Yeah. Sam has not shaped his entire life around Dean. Yeah. And Dean sort of forgets that just because you don't shape your entire life around someone
1: doesn't mean that you don't care. Yeah, I think it was just that that particular episode, like he was just confronted by like all of the things that he's sensitive about, you know, and it comes back to his abandonment issues and the way that he feels about himself. It's just a whole, it's a whole thing. Anyway, I feel like we should move on from it. Mm. Because we're kind of talking in circles here. Oh, maybe very briefly before we move off of it, I do want to just say, Dean noticing the 12-year-old packing salt rounds, and I was like, damn, does that sound familiar, sweetie? Almost like he recognises that his upbringing was
0: bad. bad. And that maybe a 12-year-old shouldn't be packing salt. Or, I don't know, being used as bait by a st- for a Striga. Yeah, There's lots of things 12-year-olds mm. shouldn't be doing. Oh, I did want to point out that the scene when they first arrive at the town and they get to the wedding, literal definition of a shotgun wedding
1: genuinely oh my god yeah it's literally a shotgun
0: wedding <laughs> i was surprised they didn't make that joke i was like i was sitting there and they all have shotguns and i'm like yeah now that you've said it i'm shocked no one made that i'm joke. like where is the shotgun wedding joke also they have like the devil's trap at the entrance which is great mm-hmm. i love that but like also a demon could just jump the fence yeah that's a good like, point <laughs> I-, I get what you're doing but also like it's not like they could get a ladder
1: yeah. I get it. Like step over the fence. Yeah. yeah. Like come around the back or smoke over the fence, I yeah. suppose. There
0: are more than one entrance. So the mm-hmm. devil trap right there perhaps doesn't do what you think it does.
1: They're trying their best. They're mm-hmm. working with what they've got. I also love the very beginning of the episode. And you actually mentioned before we started recording that when the episode started you assumed you'd miss something because Yeah. And honestly valid because same. I was like did I Was I partway through this episode? Like, I actually Um, checked to be like, oh, I did start at the start, right? So it wasn't just you.
0: We've actually hit the bit of the season of the series where, like, previously when I was living with an old roommate, they were watching Supernatural and using my Stan account. So now I have to double check to make sure it's on the right episode because, like, there's (laughs) some episodes on my account that, like, they watched while we were sharing a Stan account. Yeah. So, like, I have to double check to make sure I'm watching the correct episode. I was like, were they midway through this episode when they were watching and they didn't finish it? And then I, like, I started You opened it it
1: halfway through. Yeah. No, so at the very start, when they come across the the fire truck, they ask, like, oh, you know, like, where'd you get all this stuff? And the guy's like, oh, you pick stuff up along the way. And I'm like, ah, yes. I'm always finding fire trucks just lying around. Just casually. Just just casual, like. They just, you know, people toss them wherever. Yeah, Keys in the ignition, water in the tank, why not? People just, like, you know, accidentally lose their fire trucks.
0: They're really easy to misplace, really subtle, really small.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're
0: very easy to
1: just walk past without noticing. Not a bright and obnoxious colour at all. No, why would they be? Yeah, like, super-duper easy to misplace. They make no noise whatsoever as well. And they also don't have flashing lights, which would honestly probably be helpful. Maybe we should send the CFS an email yeah, put some lights on that. Maybe paint it a bright colour like red. Yeah, that would be helpful.
0: Then they'd fit really nicely in a children's hospital as yeah. well.
1: <laughs> anyway, I just thought that line was stupid. It's like, dudes, what are you trying to hide? They just proved that they're hunters, like they've shown you their fucking arsenal in the trunk. You can tell them where you got your fucking holy water cannon. Which actually, genius. I do want to just Ties put that right out into holy water gun. It does. It's perfect. It's like the next level up. Yeah. I also love that they refer to themselves as a Sacrament Lutheran militia. It's Something, a, something about that is yeah. fucking funny to me.
0: Look, I know I already said it earlier, but I do just want to, like, actually state it here for the record because I think it's so fucking funny that drinking is a no-go, but murder's fine. Oh, my God, yeah. Murder's justified and right. Murder's, murder's fine. You know, God forbid you drink, but murder's fine.
1: God literally forbids you drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I had a note that just said, babe, you think murder is going to get you a ticket to heaven? And I like that the pastor agrees with this. I like that the pastor is like, um, the math ain't mathin. Like, I know you're my daughter and all, but this math, it ain't mathin. There's something just, something little monkey. It's like, something is off about this. I can't quite put my finger on it, but just something about it seems wrong. Maybe it's the delusion of it all. Maybe it's the willingness to burn a room full of people alive because someone said they're bad.
0: Maybe it's the fact that you think that you going to heaven is dependent on the rest of the town. It's like, why would it matter what the rest of the town does?
1: Yeah. And I think that that, um, isn't Jane, that lady who, her son dies, Dylan dies and then she gets like really into the cult. Mm -hmm. I think that like, obviously it's like part of her grief. Like she's so desperate to see her son Mm -hmm. again. What's really tragic about it is she basically confirms that she's never going to see him again because, well, first of all, we kind of know that heavens are separate anyway, Mm -hmm. But, like, she basically guarantees herself a ticket downstairs, which is a bit rough. But actually, I wanted to touch on her, and this is the last point that I have. After Dylan dies, when they're all going in for the funeral service, she makes a point of telling Dean specifically that it's all his fault that her son is dead. And I was like, it is literally not even a tiny bit their fault. Once more,
0: removing the valuable contributions of a female demon. Okay, yes. Like, stop giving these two mediocre white men credit for the hard work (laughs) that these female demons are doing. The female demon pulled him under a car and murdered him. Uh And yet they're still
1: giving the Winchesters credit for his death. And you know what? The only reason that they were out there at all was because of the horror Ballon who fucking told them to go. Exactly. So here's the thing. Right, on that. The fucking fact that they're like, oh, it's like all your fault. It's like you willingly went with him into an active war zone essentially mm. like you went with him into active combat you could have said to him hey i feel like maybe you should stay home you could have done anything at all to stop him from going into that war zone and you didn't i'm like here's the thing i respect that you respect his autonomy but you also have to accept that there are consequences of making choices he chose to go into this war zone you chose to not fight him on that and as a consequence He died. And also he knew the risk that he was taking going into the situation. And I'm not saying it's not tragic. I'm not saying it's not a horrible thing that he died and that she's grieving and, you know, going through this mm -hmm. loss. But also, she has literally no one to blame. They willingly chose to go. Like, no one said
0: that they had to go.
1: No. They literally asked asked for for volunteers. volunteers And he volunteered. As did she. Anyway, I was just like, that's fucking messed up. Again, kind of like in Faith. When Layla's mother Mm -hmm. says to Dean, like, why do you deserve to live when my daughter has to die?
0: And the kicker of that one was Dean fully did not believe that he deserved
1: to live. Yeah, and honestly, I'd argue in this version, he probably also thought that. It's interesting. I think it's stupid for her. Like, I get she's grieving and it's Mm -hmm. like, she's just upset and she needs something to blame, something to lash out at. But I'm also like, fuck off. Like, (laughs) calm down.
0: It's, yeah. This episode is weird. I feel like that's not a revolutionary take.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> I think that it definitely, like you mentioned earlier, like it's got some real highs. Mm. But certainly overall, it's it's interesting. And look, we said at the top of the episode, Julie Siege has a really fascinating track record of episodes. She's got some absolute bangers. She's got some whack shit. And she's also got ties to Sarah Gamble, which just makes it Sarah Gamble con just continues to like It's the gift that keeps on giving, really. I I
0: made that joke as a joke. Yeah, obviously. I was not expecting more evidence to just keep accumulating. Full disclosure, neither was I. Like, (laughs) I was like, here's this ha-ha funny joke about how Sarah Gamble is actually a secret mastermind behind literally everything that ever happened on the CW Supernatural. And then she just kept on...
1: Doing things.
0: Doing things on the CW Supernatural. I'm not saying that she had a massive overarching plan, but I'm saying at this point it looks like she may have had a massive overarching plan.
1: I'm fucking fascinated to see how the Sarah Gamble long con holds up through her seasons, through yeah. six and seven. I'm fascinated to see what you like think. Like, she
0: just has more fingers and pies for her season. So it'll be interesting to see if it continues to permeate the way it once did. Or if it's kind of like because she only had so limited episodes, she had to, like, put all of her long con in her episode. Do You know what I mean? Which is what makes it stand out. Notwithstanding her alliances with other... Right. with other writers like Julie
1: Siege yeah Ben Enland, and yeah. Jeremy Carver I think are mm-hmm. the three that we've kind of touched on before yeah. alrighty so I think that brings us to the end of today's episode did you have any final thoughts I have nothing else to add okay no worries in that case how would you rate season 5 episode 17 99 problems out of 5
0: I think I'm gonna give it a 3.5 would be a 3 stars but Drumcast gets the extra point 0.5 for me it's right. so fucking funny has, like, the deadpan, your voice is grating. The Sam, of course, is an abomination. So unnecessary, but so fucking funny.
1: I love that he's like, I'm going to show up just to bully Sam mildly and then emotionally connect with Dean. Yeah. And that's it. That's my contribution to this episode. Yeah. The next episode is called The Point of No Return. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears? Point
0: of No Return. So that says to me that something's going to change and you can't go back. I think it's pretty heavily implied at the end of this episode that Dean's planning on going and saying yes to Michael. Mm-hmm. And, again, I think the funniest possible outcome of this is no, angels yes, being no. like, actually, nah, they're fine. We've already hired a replacement. Like, he got uh, given a job opportunity. Yeah. And he took so long to reply to the job opportunity. They like, that we already, hired someone else. They've already filled the position. <laughs> and I think it would be funniest if it was John that they filled the position with. That would be hilarious. The funniest possible. But I think it's more likely that if they do do that, it'd be someone like Adam. Okay. Or Ben. Potentially. Potentially, yeah.
1: I mean, I already told you that. So yeah. They're not but, gonna like,
0: but yeah. you know, in an ideal world, or it's you- Claire back. They're doing the same thing type two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you have any other thoughts or feelings or is that?
0: I think that's pretty well it. I think, it? yeah, I think we're going to like, you know, point of no return implica- implies that something's changed. Either that or they go into De- Detroit and
1: Sam's finally saying yes. Okay, so one of the two, you Mm. think either Sam or Dean are going to say yes? I think Dean's more likely, though. Given the ending of this episode. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. Sam still seems very firmly in the, I'm going to say no to Lucy train.
1: Yeah, and do you know what? Valid.
0: We stand
1: that decision. Dean
0: goes to say yes to Michael, but he can't say yes to Michael because they've already filled
1: the position, so he goes and says yes to Lucy. (laughs) Plot twist. You've never (laughs) seen it coming. Unless you're right, in which case I guess you did see it coming. Mm. So, anyway, do you think Cass will be in next week's episode?
0: No, I don't, I
1: don't think. I think the
0: ending would be bad if it is Dean going to say yes to Michael. Cass obviously can't find Dean to stop him from saying yes to Michael because of the shit on his ribs. Mm-hmm. And I think that if
1: Michael found Cass, things would not go well for Cass. And so, so for Cass's safety, mm-hmm. you don't want him in the episode? Yeah. Okay. I love this take. Because mm-hmm. normally you're like, I want Cass there because I like him. And this time you're like, I don't want Cass there because I like him. <laughs> yeah. I love Mm -hmm. that for you okay in that case that does take us to the very end of today's episode hopefully you have enjoyed listening as much as we have recording just a friendly reminder we do have our survey that is still up and open for responses thank you very much to everyone who has replied so far we have very much enjoyed reading all of your responses it's been very fun and very interesting if you have no idea what we're talking about Please look below in the show notes for a link to our survey to talk about all of Kripke era thus far. And if you have any thoughts or feelings or suggestions for us going into season six, if you wanted to get in touch with us outside of the survey and outside of listening to us waffle on in your ears for an hour or so every week, you can also find us on any of our socials. Again, all of the links are in the description below. And if you wanted to strike up a conversation, some possible topics for Convo could include...
0: Who's the funniest thing for Michael to replace Dean with? Who is the funniest possible candidate? <laughs> this is based in nothing.
1: No one of the Burt or Ernie Muppets. Like...
0: <laughs> and then we like... get to s- definitively which one Dean is.
1: Oh, that would be so funny. That actually would be so fucking funny. Because
0: I think my vote is Parasilton. Oh, that
1: would be We're fun. bringing her back. Okay. She's now the Michael that. Russell. I love that. Okay, no worries. Um, They've done it once, they can do it again. I would like to know your favourite drunk cast lines. Because mm. I basically recapped the whole scene because it's yeah. just so funny. Like there's just there's no one point. I don't think that you can isolate and be like, this is the peak. I think there are just so many compounding mm. moments that just make it excellent. I would love to know what your favourite is if you have one. Okay, and I think that does it for this <laughs> week's episode. So
0: uh, I fun. love that you can, like, actually hear the moment where we run out of ideas. I love that that's audible.
1: <laughs> Much like the writer's room is supernatural. <laughs> we'll start, oh, do you know what, we've been talking a lot about the Sarah Gabaloncon. really, yeah. the plot of our podcast yeah. has called from season two I would like its points back.
0: Yeah. Oh, also, if you've got any other supporting evidence from episodes that maybe we've missed for the Sarah Gamble long-con. Oh, my God, yes. Come like, talk to us you, about the
1: Sarah Gamble long-con. Have you
0: reviewed any episodes and thought about the Sarah Gamble long-con and sp- spotted more evidence for it?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think we should make a PowerPoint, like, collectively yeah. as a group.
0: I think I should make a TikTok about
1: the Sarah Gamble long-con. I think so. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so very much for listening, and hopefully we have you back again next week for Point of no Return. Bye! Bye! Bye!
0: Oh, I- with was not expecting Sarah Gabble Longcom to be relevant to this episode. Neither was I if
1: I'm being totally and honest. And yet it it's always there. It's always there in the back in the background.